In the Wild West world of podcasting, there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality. Based on a passion for his guests, their work, and his love of podcasting, Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast get amazing, diverse, unique guests found nowhere else. The variety and quality are endless. There is something for everyone. Derek Thomas is the hero you deserve. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. Here is Derek Thomas. Cool. So I, I got to say, cool. guys, it, it's always nice to have an afternoon with a, with an Academy Award nominee and a um, world-renowned uh, astrophysicist. Like, is there a better way to spend it? I got to, I got to, <laughs> I, I got to see it at the cool kids table today. What's going on? Uh-huh. Uh, anytime, anytime we're gonna do. We're so, so I, I have a few questions I want to ask you, not related to the film, and then I got some on the film that I'm really passionate about. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. to do this. So, you, you know, Neil, I have to say, of all the profound things you've ever said, the one thing that you said that you brought me to tears, like instantly. I was not expecting this. Was mm-hmm. about your quote about dogs and how they want to be with you all the time and how they want to really enjoy your company. And here's where you got me. Every single day of a dog's life is an equivalent to a week of your life. They make every day count. It reminded me of a quote by Warren Zevon where he says, you know, enjoy every sandwich. Like, and I was crying. Listen, the way you you set that up where they they just want to go for a ride with you. And I got to tell you, I think I have my own interstellar thing now where I leave the house and I'm like, all right, I was gone for 20 minutes. So how many years of my life, uh, my dog's life was that? So, oh, hey, right. so, mm-hmm. so, so thank you for that. It was just a really powerful quote for a guy who owns three dogs. It's it was very thank you for that. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Let me just say that that my medium is like yes, I speak and you know I give lectures and and write. And uh jumping in with Scott, that's a whole other way of communicating and storytelling with the visual and music and and editing, all of this coming together. So so it was uh, I was fascinating to be able to see Scott at work doing what he did for this film. Um, knowing that I attempt that on occasion with just sort of words that you read, but when the words become visual imagery, that's that's a whole other uh, craft. And as you know, you've got movie posters on your back wall there. As you know, movies are way more impactful than books yes. when movies get out there and yeah. and the needles that they have the power to move. So so yeah. So so Scott yeah. and Neil, do you guys have a guilty pleasure sci-fi movie? Like for me, it's Astronaut Farmer. Um, I don't oh, know if you guys. I I I I should have brought that up. Yeah, I knew you're gonna laugh at that. But do you have a guilty pleasure when it comes to sci-fi movies? I <clears throat> both of you. I'm curious to hear your answers. Yeah, guilty pleasure. So it can't really be quality. Right. It's like it's like a <laughs> cheesy movie on a Friday night. Wow. You got nothing to do. You love it for some reason. It, it it doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be as good as it is, but you love it. Got it. I guess mine would be the fake. What's the fake Star Wars? Uh, convention one. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a Space Galaxy Balls? Quest. Oh, Galaxy, Gal- Quest. Galaxy yeah. Quest. Okay, Galaxy okay. Quest. Oh, no, no, wait, wait. No, wait. wait. Oh, Galaxy no, I'm confused. Spaceball was it Spaceballs? I thought it, Spaceball. That... No, Spaceballs is Mel Brooks. Which gotcha. Is okay, okay. Oh, no, no, no. Galaxy Quest, which Gal- had uh, that that one had uh, like major actors in it. That's right. Yeah. Galaxy that, Quest. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good Alan Rickman. That's a good movie. Alan Rickman was in that for sure. Yeah. It's it might be a little too quality for what you were asking for, but I do. Love it. <laughs> That's great. What about you, Neil? What is your you have a guilty pleasure? Yeah, no, I mean, I I don't would it count as a guilty pleasure if I don't return to it often? But I have to say, uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. 
<laughs> was was singular in what it attempted to accomplish and yeah. i just thought yeah there's there there's no turning back after this one. Oh, but but apart from that i would say I would, but that's like knew it was campy. I would say, um, idiocracy. Oh, another good one. Uh, that's with um, Wilson, um, uh, uh, Owen Wilson's brother. I, I can't remember. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, I'll remember it. Name? Yeah, it's, yeah. Mm -hmm, it's definitely mm -hmm. Wilson. So, so my my second to last thing before we get to this awesome uh, documentary is um. So I I've heard your list, Neil, about you know sci-fi movies you love, the ones that are accurate, not so accurate. Is there one that makes you get more emotional than others? Like for me on your list of great movies that you love, Contact, I cannot watch it without sobbing. Is there one that, that really does it for Scott, you two? Um, is there one that does it for either of you that really gets you emotional? Science aside, maybe? Uh, a sci-fi movie that gets me emotional. Um, I, yeah, I think Contact, what, what made Contact powerful is not so much even the story, but a lot of thought was put into portraying how people might react mm. to that story and with the cults that rose up and the, you know, the, one was a suicide cult and one was a, uh, you know, people with tin foil on their hats and as hats and I, and everything I know about the public tells me that's exactly what would happen. Mm. And I get emotional only because I'm, I see that every day. And I try to muster what it takes to, to, as an educator, you know, you're, you're there trying to make a change and it keeps rising up. And then you wonder, am I being effective at all? Or what I tell myself, whether I have earned it or not, I tell myself, maybe without me, all of this would be even worse right. than what I currently see. Mm. And that's, yes, that's how I answer to that. Neil. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I keep going every day. Yeah. And you never see the aliens, Neil, which is awesome. It's like you, you did it successfully without having to take the easy way out. I feel like you, well, well you mean in, in, in contact, in contact. Yeah. yeah. So not only in contact, but also in, um, in 2001, a space odyssey. That's you, right. You do not see the aliens in either one of those. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Mm -hmm. uh, so my last my last thing um, is, is this. So I love NASA, right? I remember when Christy McAuliffe died, I was in my sixth grade classroom and our teacher told us quarter of 12. I remember her like crying. Like I remember there was this thing with space and NASA, which which I love. I look I look at NASA like I look at like role models. I just they, they inspire you to dream. Why has it been so long since we've gone to the to the moon? You know, I'm sure you get this a lot. You know, nobody born after 935, if that is correct. It's been 50 years. Is it the price? Is it dependent on the president? Because I feel like we need this new generation of dreamers. And I almost feel like, you know, why aren't we going there? Is there nothing to be, I don't know. I guess I'll let you finish that out. And that'll, that'll be my last you, thing. You, do you want, do you want to, the, uh, do you want the facade answer? Or do you want like the deep, deeper answer? I want the one that you love most. Okay. Uh, the one that I think is most accurate yeah. is, um, if you, In the era that we went to the moon, we told ourselves we're going to the moon because we're explorers, we're discoverers, it's in our DNA, we're Americans. Whereas you part the curtains and we're going to beat the Russians. There was no other motivation. <laughs> Kennedy's speech, we'll put a man on the moon, return him safely to Earth before the decade is out. That chiseled into the granite in the back of his the bust 
sculptured bust in Kennedy Space Center. But there's a whole rest of the wall. There's nothing there. Put the rest of his speech there where he said, if if the events of recent weeks, this is 1962, May, Yuri Gagarin had just come out of orbit in April. The events of, re- couldn't even mention, couldn't even utter his name. If the events of recent weeks are any indication of the impact of this adventure on the minds of men everywhere, we need to show the world the path of freedom over the path of tyranny. It was a battle cry against communism. That's what wrote the checks. Mm. You just say whatever you want once the checks are written that makes you feel good about yourself. But we went there motivated by war and by trying to show the world that we were better than the godless commies. Once we learned that they're not going to the moon, the whole program stopped. Mm. It had nothing Mm. to do with charisma of a president. It had nothing to do with that. Mm. And until you are geopolitically motivated to do something expensive with no economic return, you're not going back at all. Mm. That's exactly how that unfolded. Oh, we have Artemis now. Oh, we're going back to the moon. Oh, park the curtains. China's going to the moon. Mm. All of a sudden, we have a adversary again a Mm. frenemy okay Mm. so why did we go back in 1980 1990 2000 2010 no no one was threatening us we didn't feel threatened we've now we feel threatened of course we'll go back well geopolitical forces where where your life is threatened and your livelihood is threatened they override all other forces so no it's not that we needed someone with charisma. It's not that we needed political will. It's not that we needed more people to want to do it. It's that we need it because it's expensive and there's no return on that investment. We needed these other reasons. And there it is. That's an excellent answer. Uh, so I'm going to segue into shot in the arm, right? So we talk about the moon. There's conspiracy theorists, right? I kept thinking kind of that same way when I was watching shot in the arm. There's three people I want to talk about shot in the arm that I that I kind of associate with what a conspiracy theorist is, right? Uh, I almost, and I would use the world cult leader. Um, I'm not a big fan, but when I heard this quote, guys, I got to tell you, I had to pause it. I had to walk away for a little. I had to, I had to process what I heard. This is a quote from the from the doc. Irish, I watched a report that measles is deadly. I think we have to question what we call deadly. So is drinking water. Dell Big Tree. I'm like, did I just hear that? Is that accurate? Like, I could not believe that, Scott Neil. I can't believe there's someone on this planet that thinks that way. I mean, I get freedom of expression for in the doc, Scott. Are you going to say the second half of what he said there too? Because I'll finish it for you. Yeah, finish it. It gets it's it's as shocking. Then he goes on to say, um, you know, so the people say that measles is deadly. The, the the terrible water quote. So if if Ebola was sweeping the country, talk to me then. So he's speaking in 2019 when we're seeing record breaking measles outbreaks, and then he's trying to discount the dangers of measles with the quote you just said. But on top of it, and the irony of it is that we went into COVID, is him saying. If 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 Ebola was sweeping the country, then I'm going to be a reasonable person about these questions about vaccines. COVID comes, not the equivalent of Ebola, but well worth the the metaphor. And he didn't change his mind as all at all. He just moved the goalposts again. But I feel like he's like a cult. Like, wait, Scott, I, I don't want to keep saying this, term, but I feel like he's like a cult leader. He preys on these people that need answers or want answers, and he forces like he's somebody that's a perfect example of somebody with a little bit of knowledge is is, is dangerous. He's that guy. Like he's very <laughs> dangerous, you know. And it was like. He and I tell you what really caught me off guard is I I kind of liked Robert Kennedy Jr. before I heard his stance on, um, you know, vaccinations because when I don't know who asked him this I think it might have been a producer he said um, when asked if there was any vaccines over the course of history that were a benefit to mankind he replied I don't know the answer to that 
I can't believe he said that. I had to yeah, pause it again me. and walk. That was you asked him that, Scott. That's me. <laughs> Scott, does he really think that? Uh, sure. This that's the that's the question that I want to see all journalists ask him. Right? Yes, he'll say, "I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. They're 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 trying to pin me and make me look crazy if they say, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm anti-vax." Um, so the follow-up question is the same one that I asked him. If you're saying you aren't anti-vax, please tell us, sir, the vaccines that you are pro and let it sit there. And he's not going to say anything or he's going to dance around because he couldn't even say polio. It was just it's it's absolutely it's it's it is shocking. and Very, very strange. Neil, is there a way to curtail somebody's opinion? I, I guess everybody can have one, but I, I feel like when your opinion. No, no, you don't want to st- you don't want to stop the opinions. What you want to do is have people in their educational arc. Mm-hmm be trained to spot charlatans mm-hmm. so that the charlatan never rises to power. So in a free country, I don't, you'd say, think what you want, but if you rise to power on a platform of ignorance and then influence the thinking of others, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. That's That will unravel the functioning engines of an informed democracy. And so we need to look, say, again, they can say what they want. But it's if you say whatever you want and you're powerful, that's what worries me. And so, so yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, we Scott and I have different tactics here. I don't go beating them on the head, saying you idiot, how could you possibly say this? I look to the electorate as an educator. I'll say, this is how you need to think about data and information and probability and statistics and lethality. Now, when you understand that, then they step forward. There's no way they'd be giving that level of attention to these charismatic charlatans. And I got to tell you, I, I almost, I, I wasn't familiar with Del Big Tree, I have to be honest. And I, I'm pretty in tune to things. I got, I, I, I almost thought this was a caricature. I didn't realize this is an actual person. Like, I, I feel like this is something I'd watch on HBO on the righteous gemstones where somebody's pretending to be this like preacher slash pastor and going over the top. I cannot believe this is a real person spewing this stuff. Like he's, he's destroying lives with his words. And I, I'm not going to beat a dead horse here, but I don't know. I just, boy, did Scott, I'm so happy you asked Robert Kennedy that junior that question. That was a great question. Thank you. Yeah, and consider consider that I don't know any other organized display of commentary that accomplishes what this film accomplishes. There's an article here and a snippet there, and this and that. This brings it all onto one under one umbrella. And you have the personal stories on the arc through that. And so it, I, so for me, and I'd say this, even if I weren't related to this project, it hits on all cylinders mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and now is the time for it. Not, not tomorrow and not yesterday, not yesterday. To quote a great man, science is true, whether you believe it or not. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I've heard that it, somewhere. but I'm going to tell oh, you the quote, the quote, the quote that was uplifting. And I, I, I liked it. It was um, once the truth doesn't matter, it's not democracy anymore. That's so true. It's like, that's, yeah. that's the whole spirit of this. Um, I do want to ask you both um, this, you know, if it wasn't, you know, the, the vaccines and if it wasn't for medication and vaccines, I would have been done dead years ago. I just turned 50. I know I would have made it past 30, maybe not even 20. Um, half think, of all people, half of all people would not make it to the age 35. That's correct. Yep. yep. So do you think that the public's lack of faith in drug companies uh, plays into their skepticism of vaccines? Do you think it's like, you know, whether it's what drug companies have done over the years, do you think they take the negative from that, create their own narrative? It doesn't help you have these charlatans doing their part. 
Do you think it's more the, than just the they in that is primarily liberal centered, by the way? You you generally don't hear conservatives with an attitude of being anti-pharma. They might be pro-freedom, and I, you can't tell me government, uh, I can't work or can't. But that's a different reason to be anti-vax, th that they're anti-vax, than the liberal left. The liberal left were the OG anti-pharma folk. So go on, Scott. Yeah, no, it's it's it, all, all all of the above. And it's a uh, sadly, there are mistakes that have been made in big pharma and in big government. And we have systems in place to check those. But if you look at the history of what the pharmaceutical industry has done for public health, it's a huge win. It's, hard, it's tough to talk about that because you have things like the opioid crisis, which was a catastrophe. That doesn't mean that those specific drugs can't be used correctly, but there were some very, very corrupt people trying to make the most money they could and it caused harm. But again, by the percentages, big pharma, I use it, use it uh, because people use it, um, has been incredible success for the benefit of mankind. And yeah. it's when people cherry pick to find a few places and and sometimes it almost look cool that they they think it's all messed up and it's like I'm I'm cynical about big pharma I'm I'm skeptical of big pharma really to the point of cynical and that makes me cool when at the end of the day they have five things in their medicine cabinet from big pharma that they're also very grateful for mm, mm, so it's just, mm, yeah yeah I don't like cynicism I don't like cynicism. Don't Wait, like Scott, cynicism. how do you know what's in other people's medicine cabinet? <laughs> well, I, I, when I excuse myself at the dinner party, Neil, you might not want to. <laughs> so my last question, guys, and thank you for this. has been a lot of fun. Thank you for this. So, uh, Neil, I've seen you on Joe Rogan a bunch of times. I've seen you on um, Bill Maher a bunch of times. And this is a question for both of you. Uh, Joe is a, Joe is a conspiracy-driven guy. I love him, though. I love his stuff. Bill has, is skeptical on medicine, doctors, etc. You know, I've seen you, Neil, go on there. You guys disagree. At the end of the interview, it's a fun watch. You're respectful of each other, perhaps having a drink or a libation, enjoying each other's company, and you walk away, friends. Why can we not disagree or agree on COVID Have a or, or, or the vax? Have a civil conversation without me being an effing snowflake or you being an effing this or that. What happened to the days of, of, of just respecting each other, having a, a discussion over a beer, shaking hands, walking away, and being civil versus this chaotic, uh, toxic, whatever you want to call it. I'll let you both answer whatever you want to say. Neil doesn't have much of an opinion on this, so. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's uh, uh, just briefly, the, um, oh, by the way, Joe Rogan, I don't think he's so much a conspiracy theorist. He platforms whoever he thinks would be interesting to listen to, right. which includes conspiracy theories. Correct. You're He's right. actually a pretty a pretty rational guy. Yeah. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't peddle conspiracies. He just gives platform to them. And then he goes on to the next topic. Except for his all out uh, all out conspiracy shows wouldn't even have me on it, right? That's not how they would function. So and you're right, Bill can get weirdly anti-scientific in ways where he's sure he's still scientific. <laughs> and my, my I see myself on their shows as not talking to them, but talking to their audience. Gotcha. That's how I view it. Gotcha. And to the extent that I can reach them and touch them and influence them in a way that's for the greater good of, of, of democracy and civilization, I, I'm all in. Um, yes, there's, we've lost, we've lost 
civility in our discourse on the point where when I post to social media, I never post opinions because people will just simply attack them, mm. and which is an odd state because and I wrote this in my recent book. We live in a time where you're not allowed to have opinions in front of someone who has a different opinion. They feel obligated to attack you mm. because what they really want is everyone in the world to have exactly their opinion. And what kind of a world would that be? Mm. Mm. Scott, did you want to add anything to that? Well, just, yeah, just to underline the dangers of confirmation bias, right? That we look for evidence to support our point of view on the world, what we want to see, how we want to see the world, how our tribe sees the world. And we all suffer from it. Now it's just a, a matter of like, to what degree? And do we have the humility to say, oh, maybe I am suffering from confirmation bias and let me let, you know, I have to correct Neil on these things all the time, but he has the humility <laughs> to let me correct him. So. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Guys, I have to say A Shot in the Arm is a wonderful documentary. For those listening or watching, give it a shot. I loved it. Really thought-provoking. Uh, thank you for your time. Love talking to you both. Thank you for this. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can also connect with Monday Morning Critic on Instagram and Facebook, MDM Critic on Twitter, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. All episodes available, www.mmcpodcast.com.